Welcome everyone to God Talk Uncensored, where no topic is off limits. We use the Bible as a source of truth, and everything we share is from our personal experiences and the Bible. All right, let's do this. God's recipe for success is not what you think it is. It is not the, uh, the, the stew of things we put into it. It's something completely different. And I want to uh, share with you what the scripture says. But I also want to extrapolate stuff that's clearly spoken in the word of God about the life of Joseph. But imagine if the recipe for God's way of success is abandonment, betrayal, being discarded, falsely accused, and just forgotten, not cared for. What if those are the, the, the things that can create or, or generate in us this different, different outlook, different outcome? So the life of Joseph... So those who've read through the, the Bible know that uh, Joseph was the, the hated brother of his um, elder siblings, and uh, he had a prophetic gift. He shared that prophetic gift when he was a teenager, and it sounded arrogant and prideful, uh, though it was uh, to come true because that's what God was doing, but they just despised him because he was the favorite and the youngest of his father and the favorite, uh, you know, wife of, of his father. And so there was this, this, this tension in the family. And if you remember the story, uh, he goes out to meet with his brothers while they're tending the sheep and they just decide to kill him and they, they throw him in a cistern and, you know, then they, changed their mind and said, let's just uh, sell them to these passerbys, you know, these, uh, these people who are, you know, on the way, at least we'll get something for them. And so he ends up being sold uh, into slavery and he goes to Egypt. Okay. So the story, most of you know, he, uh, he goes to Egypt, he becomes the, 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 the manager of Potiphar's household. And everything was great, and he was successful. And uh, as a result, nothing was left out of his charge except for Potiphar's wife, who wanted him because he was a young, strapping, good-looking dude. But he refused her. She got a little grumpy about it. There was a time that there was a little uh, aloneness. She grabbed his cloak, uh, and, and he ran away because that's the right thing to do. And uh, she then accused him of trying to violate her. He goes to prison. He's in prison for years and years and years. But because he is who God made him to be, he didn't grumble or complain about it. He went ahead and rose up even in the prison. And the warden gave him charge of, of everything. Okay. He later uh, has this, this friendship or relationship with the uh, cupbearer and the baker and interprets a dream for them because he has the gift of prophecy, interprets a dream. And the dream was that the, uh, the cupbearer would be restored to his, to his previous job. And unfortunately for the, uh, for the bread baker, he was going to have his head 
cut off. So, uh, but he told him, he says, when, when you are uh, free and this dream comes true that you had, that I interpreted, put a good word in for me and get me out of here. I shouldn't be here, right? Like just, I was unjustly treated and this isn't right. So the cupbearer gets restored to his original rightful place within, you know, the kingdom and is serving Pharaoh again. And he forgets about him. And it says in the Bible that two years pass. So, you know, he's, he's still stuck, uh, two years later, uh, obviously waiting like, well, hopefully this, this comes through. Funny thing about this story is most of us, if we were to put ourselves in this exact scenario or situation, our responses would be quite a bit different. Uh, at least I know mine would be, I, I'm just going to speak for myself because I know how I've operated with, within some difficult stuff and I've come through a lot of stuff, but I've, I know how I've behaved before. One thing I know about the Bible is it's pretty clear about stuff. You can extrapolate some things and you can kind of piece together, you know, uh, an emotion or a situation that's happening and say, it's likely that this is what was taking place or that was, was what was taking place. But one of the things I know about the Bible is if people are grumbling and complaining, God says, and they grumbled and complained, right? So we're talking about the Israelites. Eventually they left Egypt after being slaves for 400 years. And it says they grumbled and they complained and they complained and they complained. What we don't read is about the life of, uh, of Joseph being a grumbler or a complainer. Uh, the other thing is we don't see any indication where he is wallowing in some form of, of self-pity. And it doesn't seem to indicate anywhere in Scripture that he um, assigns, you know, blame or tries to point out, you know, the, the fault of whatever or whoever, even though there was clearly people to blame for why he was in the situation that he was. And when I look at my life and I look at the things that don't go right or the things that are uh, troubling for me personally, there's a, a few things that happen and I'm learning to do it differently now. But one of the things is to blame. Like, why am I where I am and who's responsible? And uh, how about self-pity? Like, woe is me. Why am I here? Why am I stuck like this? And, um, you know, if I, if I kick and scream and, and make enough noise, maybe I'll get the old soft, you know, oh, I'm so sorry kind of thing from other people. Or maybe I'm looking for that, you know, from God. I, I don't know. And the indicator that all of this stuff is troubling inside is from grumbling and complaining. The Bible says do everything without grumbling and complaining. Um, it also was really clear that like the life of Christ as well as the life of Joseph, as far as we know, uh, he didn't struggle with self-pity. He wasn't stuck in this woe is me attitude, but he used everything that took place and every circumstance in his life as a catalyst for the success that we later saw 
uh, him come out of. So as a teenager, he sold into slavery. We're seeing probably a couple decades go by until he is in the position that he's in as the right hand of Pharaoh. But what's interesting about this this whole dynamic is that um, we just don't see any scriptural evidence of somebody who was stuck, somebody who was mentally stuck in f- negativity and woe is meism and self pity and blame and all of that stuff. Right? We just don't see it. One of the things that I know the Bible says is that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So the way that we think, the way that we we allow our processor to have a voice is usually the way that we respond. I, I used to say that our emotions, our feelings... They're gauges. They're not guides. Our feelings are, are deceptive and they can lie to us. And we can look at our circumstance and we can, uh, uh, you know, take the rabbit hole all the way to the end and have an outcome for ourselves that's just inconsistent with usually how it ends up happening. And it's inconsistent with what God's doing and with what God says. When we get stuck... And when we allow for negative things uh, that have happened to us, legitimate things like abandonment, betrayal, uh, falsely accused, forgotten, abuse uh, of all forms, uh, even if it's self-inflicted, all of that stuff, if we allow for that to get a hold of us to the point where we are unable to see what God is doing in the midst of it all, then we end up being those people who spiral Right. There's a story and uh, about these two brothers, and one of them became a priest, and the other one was in prison. And this reporter, he, he interviewed both of them. And when he interviewed the, the brother that was in prison, the brother in prison was really upset, angry. You could just tell the bitterness wore him out. And he you know, said, what happened? You know, Why are you in prison? So on and so forth. And he said, How could my life have ended up any other way when you see what happened to me? When you see how how horrible my childhood was and how my life circumstances unraveled, right? And so you see this this vitriol and this anger and this, this bitterness, right? They go to the priest and they ask him the exact same question. What happened? Like, how did you end up being a priest? And of course, with joy in his heart and a smile, he says, how could I not? have have gone this direction after what my life was like and after what had happened to me? How could I not have turned to God and, and gone this particular direction? So, so much of it is in our head. And I, I, I know that the scripture is super clear about being transformed by the renewing of our, of our mind. Matter of fact, if you go to uh, um, Romans... Uh, chapter 12, it says, don't conform. Uh, chapter two, chapter 12, verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And remember this too, every single bad thing that's ever happened to you in your entire life is redeemable. Everything. The Bible says so. And here it is. Romans 8, 28. 
says, and we know that in all things, all in the original language, it means all work together for the good of those who love God, who have been called according to his purpose. All things, all things. So here's the thing, uh, personal note, personal story here. So, um, got kicked out. I got put in jail at 14. My parents, uh, put me in a boy's home in Mississippi. It was horrible. They were racist. They used derogatory terms towards people of color, uh, from the pulpit. And, uh, they, I was there for a year. I was small. I, I had a really late growth spurt. I was probably maybe a hundred pounds and, uh, I mean, abuse and blanket parties and, and Satan worship. And it was wicked. I mean, the place was, was wicked. And I was there for over, over a year. I, I got out of that, uh, place. And ironically, that's where I learned the, the entirety of the gospel message. You're a sinner. You need God. Jesus is the bridge between you and God. He will and has died on your behalf and has forgiven you. And you need to repent and accept him into your heart and believe on him and you'll be saved. I heard that message, okay, from people who were horrible. I got back home uh, from Mississippi was where I went to uh, for this, this boy's home. I could write a book on it, but, you know, maybe I will someday. Um, and I had missed a year's worth of school. They didn't, uh, uh, they didn't count my education, uh, in Mississippi towards my, um, you know, towards my education in the state of California where I was, you know, born and raised. And so they told me I needed to repeat. I was in, at this point I was in 10th grade. They told me I needed to repeat ninth grade, which means I was going to be like a super senior and graduate when I was 20 years old. It wasn't going to happen. So I went to my parents and I told them, and I was only home for a few months at this point. And I told my parents, I, I don't want to go to school till I'm 20 years old. So, um, I'd like to take the California high school proficiency exam. And, um, I remember that at the time my, my stepmom said, if you're, uh, if you're not in school, you can't live in this home. So at this point, you know, I, I, I was, I wasn't drinking. I wasn't smoking. I was, I was sober and I, I, but I, I was 16 and I had my own car and whatever. And I just remember thinking I'm out, like I'm not, I'm out. And so they kicked me out. Uh, I left and, um, eventually I did end up getting my high school diploma uh, I, the, the, the test was completed and I, uh, graduated from high school instead of it being a GED, but I lived on the streets and I was stuck on crystal meth and I was, uh, you know, drug addict and I, you know, I was a mess and, and these were many of these things that were self inflicted, but you have to remember that I have a, a, a pattern, a, a history of abandonment and betrayal and, and feeling discarded and, and in my opinion, falsely accused, you know, and, and abandoned and forgotten and not, and just, and that was what, what it felt like. Now, I didn't understand this at the time. I was young and I numbed myself with substances 
And, uh, you know, until I got older, I didn't really, I wasn't able to unpack all this, but, um, what ended up happening was, you know, I got saved. Uh, I mean, I heard the gospel message, but then I actually got saved. And I, I remember a non-believer leading me to Christ, a mutual friend of ours, uh, had received Christ and given, and his life was totally different. So my friend Pete at the time, said, who he's not a Christian, right? He said, you need to do what Casey did, who was our mutual friend, and give your life to Christ, and he will change your life, and you need to pray right now to make this happen. So he, you know, bigger guy than me, and he was, you know, a few years older. He grabbed me by the hands, and he says, I need you to pray, like, right now, right? So we pray, and I'm like, God, I need you. I Come into my life. I I, I don't want to be like this. Change me in, in Jesus' name. And I, I remember at that moment, it felt like a warm bucket of water was poured over the top of my head, and this the Holy Spirit just filled me, and it was just amazing. And then my life just started to change which is a whole nother chapter, season, episode, book. And, uh, you know, the journey. And the journey is what God is is taking us all on. I tell you this to say that uh, had I looked at my past and my, my drug use and even into my adult life with divorce and, and, and struggling with, with uh, addiction and alcoholism and stuff like that, I could have just counted myself out. I could have just, just looked out from the external and said, woe is me. Um, I am not worthy. I am not deserving. I can't do this. But God, but God. So if it wasn't for this book, right? If it wasn't for the word of God and, and me reading the stories of all of these deeply flawed, very, uh, dysfunctional people and dysfunctional families throughout the entirety of scripture. All of it's there. It's dirty. I mean, just read it. You, you, you go, it's the Holy word of God. Yes, it is. And it's full of people that were so messed up and so flawed. And and God just did amazing things through because they trusted in him. They believed in him. They knew, they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, somehow that, that, that seed of faith grew in them. And they knew that there was a bigger thing that they were called to do. And so I'm, I'm sharing this with you because I'm not, I don't do the grumbling anymore and complaining, whatever comes my way. And I've had a lot of stuff, guys. I, you know, my wife died in, in 2012. You know, I was a single dad with five kids. I just I have story after story after story. And God always, always, always showed up without fail always showed up. I've had abundance and I've had weak nothingness and I've come, you know, it's just, just God is always so good. And so my, my mental outlook now is God, whatever comes into my life, not the self-inflicted stuff, right? But whatever comes my way, I'm going to take that and I'm going to say, this is the recipe that you have for me to make me bigger, better, stronger, faster, whatever it is. This is your recipe for success, for spiritual success. And I accept as hard as that may sound and as difficult as that may be. Look at the life of Joseph. Very clear. He didn't grumble. He didn't complain. And all of the things that went down in his life that were just horrible were, were the stepping stones, the foundation for the thing that God was preparing him for 
for whatever the future was for him. And that's the same as it would be for you or the same as it would be for me. God has so much in store for us. We cannot just sit back and and get into the woe is me and the self-pity and it's other people's fault. No, you have a responsibility and a relationship to yourself and to God for, for exactly what's happening in your life. If you're in an abusive situation or you're having harm done unto you, that's not okay. You need to get out. Let me make that clear. Be, be done with that. Uh, get help. But if you've experienced that, that's a catalyst. If you've experienced something horrible in your life, God's going to use that. It's a catalyst for the next good thing, the next breakthrough, the next powerful uh, uh, plan that he has for you. Anyways, guys, I love you. I'm so glad I get to do this. Even though I don't have like tons of subscribers, whoever's listening, if it's blessing you, give me the thumbs up, subscribe. I'm going to keep doing them no matter what, no matter how many people listen or how many people, you know, uh, watch. But I am, I'm just encouraged because I know that somebody is going to hear this message and say, that's me. And I need to change it around and be transformed and renew my mind and do the next right indicated thing by God. If you don't know Jesus, you need to accept him. That's the bottom line. And it's not as difficult as you may think. You can do it now. Jesus, you can repeat after me. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I know I need you. Thank you for dying for me. I believe that you are the son of God, that you rose from the dead and that you love me and that you have forgiven me. Send me your Holy Spirit to be my teacher, to be my guide. Thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen and amen. Amen. We'll do this again next week. God bless you guys. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to God Talk Uncensored. We appreciate your support, and until next time, God bless you.